Hi, this is Marissa, and I'm so glad you've tuned in to Grace Church Podcast. I think that because you tuned in, you'll better understand your place in God's kingdom. At Grace Church, we're living out our ancient faith in modern times, and we believe that these next few minutes will draw you closer to Jesus. To find out more about what's going on at Grace, visit us at graceocala.org. Today I want to continue in this Advent theme that we've been talking about, Awake. And if you remember last week, we talked about being awake specifically to the things that God is doing in us and around us. And hopefully you remember that the way in which we could do that, to be awake, was instead of choosing a posture of expectation, choose an, a posture of expectancy. Expectations are demanding and they often lead to disappointment where expectancy teaches us to be hopeful, keep our eyes open, our hearts open, and look for whatever's coming next. Today I want to talk about what it means to awaken our hearts. And so for those of you more on the emotional-based side of yourself, you're probably thinking, yes, awaken my heart. That sounds awesome. Getting in touch with our hearts and emotions. And you're probably nudging whoever you're next to, like, listen up, this is good for you. <laughs> and for those of you not so emotionally geared, you're, you're probably thinking, now wait a minute, really? Awaken your heart. It's about getting in touch with yourself, because I'm not going to listen to that sermon. So easy, hang on. To both groups, I want us to look at our gospel today because I think we see a different idea there in Matthew 3 about what it means to be awake in our hearts. So if you were listening or if you were reading along when Deacon Mary read the uh, gospel today, you probably scratched your head. Because this isn't one of those make-you-feel-good kind of gospel readings. This is not one of those parts of the Bible that you think, oh, that's swell. Matter of fact, I don't remember any brood of viper precious moment figurine for today's gospel (laughs) reading. I'd love to see someone make one, though, because I would buy it. So I want to talk today about John the Baptist. He's not somebody that we talk a lot about, but he's so important You may not know a ton about this guy that we see in our gospel today. So we need to know what's going on with him. What's the big deal? Why is he so upset? What's his problem? And maybe most obviously, why are we reading this now? This is not some sweet Christmas reading. So here's the deal. John the Baptist is not a peace-filled, joy-filled, happy-go-lucky kind of guy. Certainly not the kind of guy that we want to come to all of our Christmas parties. He's the kind of guy who, when if he were to show up at your Christmas party, would burst into your house, flip on the overhead lights with his winnowing fork in his hand, and start yelling like a street corner preacher. He would not be interested in your Christmas cookies or your Chex Mix that you've worked so hard on. He could care less about Bing Crosby. This guy is not about making our holidays cheery and bright. He's got this message about getting our acts together for the coming of God so that we would be ready is what he would say. And so he yells painfully, you brood of vipers, more or less standing on top of our living room coffee table. (laughs) Repent for the kingdom of heaven is here. Either bear good fruit or be thrown, he says, into the unquenchable fire. Wow, thanks for uh, 
Killing the holiday spirit, buddy. (laughs) And yet, from a liturgical standpoint, this is what Advent's all about. This season that we're in is where we get to get real. And John the Baptist wants to throw our holiday plans into chaos because he's not the warm, fuzzy type. He's not here to make us feel good, but to wake us up. He is loud and obnoxious on purpose. He smells like camel hair. He eats locust pies, and he doesn't give a hoot what you think about him or not. He wants you to be awake. He wants you to notice what's going on in your life and in your neighbor's life and around the world, not for gossip's sake, but so that you can know how to pray and be engaged with it. God is coming, he says, in the flesh. Are you paying attention? Stop wandering through life. Stop shopping. Stop exchanging Christmas cards. Stop thinking about the next party. Stop everything. Look. Look at who's coming, he says. This is what Advent's about. This intersection, perpendicular sometimes, to the realities of our world and the things that we have to do and God's hopeful promises. This collision of ideas where God knows everything that's going on in and around us. And because he wants us, because he knows all of that, he wants us to be awake and alive and alert to him. Particularly our hearts. Particularly that place where our emotions are so very real. So let's talk about that for a second. How do we make our hearts come alive? If John wants us to wake up to that, what's it mean? I think you already know. I think you already know what it's like to have your heart awakened, at least in one way. Have you ever been in love? Have you ever been in love, really in love? And if you have, thanks, Bobby. Love you, man. (laughs) Glad you're here, man. If you have been in love, then you know what it's like to have that struggle to express what it means for what's going on in your heart. If you've been in love, you have that odd, complex, all-encompassing feelings that you don't know what to do with it. Matter of fact, love changes our physiology. When we are in love with someone, our hands sometimes get sweaty when we're around them. Our pupils dilate more to literally let more of them into our eyes. We get flush and we stumble for the right words and sometimes say the dumbest things. We get mixed up and we can't think straight and we wonder why. Well, here's why. Our brains are so flooded with dopamine. We are actually intoxicated. That's Love. When you're in love, you can't think, you can't sleep, you can't focus except for on that one person, and you think about him or her all the time. You can't help yourself. When I met Marissa, my wife, she wasn't like anyone I'd ever met. She had something, she was something that I wanted to be around more, but yet when I was, I got confused or mixed up. Maybe it was her beauty or her humor, or her spirit. Maybe it was all of that and so much more. But I couldn't understand it. She stirred 
my heart with love in a way that I didn't know how to explain. In fact, to this day, I still can't explain it exactly. I've learned and I've studied love, and I've learned that it is still incredibly complex. And in my 22 years of married life, I can say that love is still there. It's different now. It's not like it was when we first met. It's not like it was when we were kids. But that same love that captured my heart all those years ago, it still comes out. And though the feelings of love come and go, she has caused my heart to come alive with love. And if you have loved someone, you too know what it's like to have your heart come alive. You've been awake. And this is what John the Baptist is getting at. He's waking up our hearts by confronting our lives. He's confronting what we actually love. You see, the people that he's talking to, they've chosen a love that is oppressive, that is harmful. They've chosen a love that serves themselves rather than anybody else. And he's being as blunt and as direct as possible. And I hope you heard his words. What he said was, you need to repent. You need to pursue purity. And you need to follow a path to a new love. He says that because when our hearts are rightly oriented. When we love first that which is meant to be loved first, we become fully awake. So John isn't just poking them. He's not just stirring the pot. He's not just saying how wrong they are and how much they've missed it. He's giving them a way out, a way forward by saying, awaken your hearts, receive power, become pure, and follow this path that leads to the Messiah. And if you don't know what that means, it's simply this. Jesus came into the world to be your and my Messiah, your Savior, in fact. He wants to fill our lives with power, power that comes from the Holy Spirit. He wants to make each of you pure by burning away all the chaff, all the impurities of your life, all the things that hold you back from loving each other. And he wants to do so by giving you this path to follow. A path that leads to eternal life with him, but also just a way better life now. That's what the Son of God has done and wants to do. That's who he is, and this is who John is talking about. Now, as I thought about this practice of awakening the heart, I had a couple of different ideas of, what it meant for us to do that. But really, it just came down to one thing for me. One thing that I want to challenge you to do for this Advent season, one practical way that you can actually awaken your heart over the next couple weeks, if you choose to. It's simply this. Choose empathy. Choose empathy. Choose empathy. Now, what I want to tell you about over the next couple of minutes is what it means to choose empathy. And I want to let, make note that a lot of what I'm going to be talking about here comes from this author. Her name is Brene Brown. She's terrific and has impacted me in this area. And so I'm just sort of going to repeat some of what she has said because I think it's so brilliant. So first, what is empathy? If we're going to choose it, we need to know what it is. So empathy is simply this. Feeling with people. Feeling with people. When we feel with somebody, we enter into this sacred, sacred space. And whether we ended up there by accident or 
we knew what we were stepping into. When we find somebody who has fallen into a hole and they're shouting out, hey, I'm stuck down here. I'm in a hole. It's dark. I'm overwhelmed. I'm scared. When we hear them, maybe we're just passing them by or maybe we saw that hole coming and we warned them about it, but they still got into it. Or maybe it's just totally unexpected and yet we hear them. Empathy is to climb down into that hole with them and say, hey, I know what it's like down here. And you're not alone. When we're down there, in the pit, with whoever's fallen into it, our hearts are awake. We know the reality of our Savior because we are dependent on Him in those moments. And this is what, of course, John is talking about. He says to the religious folks, Come on, guys, get in the water, get baptized. It's time to get right. Wake up. And he was waking their emotions, waking up their love. John was pushing for people to choose the Messiah and consequently choose empathy because that, of course, comes with choosing the Messiah. Now, this all sounds good in the theoretical, I know. But there's something that often gets in the way of our empathy, particularly in this particular Christmas season. And so I want to make you aware of it because there is something that we sometimes think is being empathetic, but in fact, it is not. Sympathy. Sympathy is something that we sometimes choose rather than empathy, and in fact, we are making a massive, massive mistake. Because empathy is feeling with people, and sympathy is when we see somebody, that person in the pit, and we look at him and we say, oh, that's bad. Yeah, I can see you. Wow, how'd you get down there? Hey, do you want a sandwich? That's sympathy. Handing out sandwiches to people in pits. Empathy is this vulnerable choice to connect with another person while being in it with them. Because when we do that, when we get down there with them, I have to connect with something in myself that knows that feeling. I have to come to that place where I can say to someone else, yeah, I get it. This place is hard. Sympathy just feels bad for somebody. There's no need for real connection. So how can you tell the difference? How can you tell if you're being empathetic or sympathetic? How can you catch yourself? Well, there's actually a little test, a little trick that I want to give you here. If you find yourself using the phrase, at least, you are being sympathetic. Let me show you. Someone says to you, I wrecked my car. And you say to them, well, at least you got insurance. Someone says, I think my marriage is falling apart. And you say to them, well, at least you have a marriage. Someone says to you, I don't, I don't think I have enough money for my bills this month. And you say to them, at least you have a job. Someone may say to you, I, I think I might have cancer. And you say, well, at least you were alive. You've lived this long, right? The at least, that's sympathy. And it is not helpful. Sympathy is not being awake. Our sympathetic attempts are when we try to put a little silver lining on the cloud that is over someone's head in a yucky situation. It's also our attempt to sort of put them at arm's length, to stay detached from them and their difficult life situations. 
But painfully, brothers and sisters, it is causing our hearts to stay dark and not awake. So instead of sympathy, this Advent, let's allow the emotions that God put in us to awaken us. And when we hear someone in that pit, in that painful situation, going through that situation that is so difficult, don't be sympathetic, but empathize and say, man, I don't even know what to say, but I'm here. And we can pray. I can give you a hug. The truth is, Rarely does our response to someone in that situation actually make anything better. But what does make someone better is a connection. That's what empathy is, that connection. So this is how you can allow your hearts to be awake over the next few weeks. Climb down in that pit when you discover someone down there and sit with them. Don't just give them a sandwich. Eat it with them. Be there. This is what Jesus wants for us and how he wants us to join him. This is what it means to awaken the heart. So I'm going to pray for us. We're going to have a time of reflection here. And I want you to think about the people that you may already know right now that are in that pit. And maybe you already at least them. But it's not too late. Maybe you can go back to them and, and give them the empathy that they need. You can apologize for at leasting them. But let's start right there with just seeing who God brings to our minds. So let's pray.
Father, thank you for these moments to pause and to reflect. Lord, thank you for the faces that you have brought to our minds right now. People who need empathy, who are in a pit. Lord, help us to join them, to love them because you are there. So help us to join you and awaken in all of us this heart of love. In your name, amen. amen.